0: My name is Lou Blazer. You're listening to Second Breaks, a show where we talk about thriving at work and in life, no matter if it's our second, third, or fourth act. This program is brought to you by Briefing Notes, a weekly digital newsletter for Gen Xers and late boomers about working well and living well in our midlife. Check it out and subscribe at thebriefingnotes.com. When I came up with the idea behind season five, I was driven by a few thoughts. One, I wanted to have a conversation with my role models that would allow me a peek behind the scenes and a way to understand their habits, their processes. I wanted to interview them and ask them all the questions I wanted to ask and then record (laughs) the conversation so that I could listen to them Over and over or whenever I need some bit of inspiration or some bit of boost of motivation and such. The other idea or the other thought driving me was that I wanted to, I didn't want to hoard (laughs) these conversations. I wanted to be able to share them because, you know, my role models, they're smart people after all. They're awesome. That's why they're my role models. And so I didn't want to just have a conversation with them and then hoard the, whatever the, they might share with me. I wanted to be able to share them with, with you. And so I thought, you know, I have a podcast. It's very easy for me to just share these recordings with folks as long as my role models were okay with me sharing these conversations, which is super awesome because they were okay with that. And then the third idea, which I think was really the the one that was really driving me to create this series of conversations as a podcast season, is that I was hoping that these conversations would somehow inspire you to look around for your role models and have similar conversations with them too. After all, they are your role models for a reason. And Wouldn't it be nice to be able to turn the admiration that you have for them into something that's more actionable? What would you want to learn from them? What might you want to emulate? What habits or thought processes might you be able to personalize? I will tell you, I have gained immeasurably through these conversations. Also, the fact that I had these chats earlier in the year, before the pandemic hit, it turned out to be a blessing in disguise because it means that now I have these recordings of things, of topics that are timeless, uncolored by current events. Now last week, I told you that Joanna Penn was the very first person that I thought of when I started planning for the season. Today, I will tell you that the series about role models, will not be complete for me (laughs) without my guest today. And so it is befitting that he bookends this season. And just as a quick reminder before I introduce him, as with all of season five, this conversation was recorded earlier in the year before we were aware of the spreading pandemic. You won't hear any reference to it or of all the disruptions that have happened since. had many mentors and heroes over the years, but my guest today is the one single individual who has had the most impact on my work ethic, how I navigate my career, how I think about relevance and making an impact. Every now and again, I still ask myself, what would Don do? What questions would he ask of me to think about? Donald Christian is a senior partner at PwC. He sits on the board of the firm and currently leads the U.S. East Region Advisory Practice. If I remember correctly, he is one of, if not the youngest ever admitted to partnership. And since his admission to partnership in 1997, Don has served in a number of increasingly responsible roles in the firm, served on several committees, and is an active and visible leader in PwC's efforts around diversity, equity, and inclusion. A leader of leaders, Don is a husband and a father to four kids. Well, not quite kids anymore, more like young adults. And uh, he and I, we haven't worked with each other for more than a decade. And yet, his is still one of the voices I hear in my head. Talk about impact. And so I'm so grateful that he remains a friend to this day and that he's agreed to be part of the series. Donald Christian, welcome to Second Breaks. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Well, thank you, Lou, and what a humbling and terrific introduction. So I'm certainly honored to be here today, and um, so hello to you as well.
0: So I wanted to start with this question. How do you measure success in your career, in your life?
1: Uh, that's a great question, and actually something I've been talking about uh, a lot recently um, as I've gone through a uh, perhaps a more profound change in, on this outlook. When I think about success, I come back to some old teachings that I had very early in my career about the compass and the clock uh, mm. from Stephen Covey. And I've kind of used that over and over again um, to really emphasize two things. One, um, what accompanies those two words is uh, an understanding of the roles that you play in life as a father, husband. PwC partner, member of the board, board of trustees at Howard, all these different roles. And having a conversation with yourself about what impact means in each of those roles. So that's sort of the output measure. The input measure is what it takes to accomplish all of those different things. Things like rest, relaxation, fun, friends, exercise, healthy eating, for nutrition, for example, Those are the things that are really the inputs that go into your ability to achieve. We sometimes over-index and think a lot about the outputs that we're trying to achieve, uh, defined by how many hours we work or how much money we make or all those different measures. Um, But we forget oftentimes either A, all the roles that we need to play, and do we have the capacity, resiliency to perform well in all of those roles? And then second, are we really acknowledging all the inputs uh, and taking care of those inputs that provide you the energy and the sustainability to perform all those different roles well? So the goal isn't just to exist. The goal is to thrive, have fun, and to kind of live life. And I think that conversation between those roles, that compass, and then how you allocate your time to those inputs and outputs, I think that's, that's kind of how I think about success in life.
0: It's, it sounds very mature, if I could use that word. And I was wondering whether, whether you've always thought this way about success. For example, as you enumerated the inputs, rest, relaxation, fun. And I remember when I was starting out, I didn't think of those necessarily as inputs to how I would achieve success. It, it was all about working hard or stuff like that. So I was wondering... Have you always thought this way or was this an evolution in your maturation of the way that you think about success?
1: No, great observation. And um, so I would say two things. One, no, it's not the way I, I would have um, defined success. But I think I also would, would observe that some of those things that I described around the inputs I also had. Let's talk about a few of them. Uh, a sense of enjoying life and uh, engaging with friends. Um exercise or trying to stay somewhat active maybe a couple examples right Um, so there are other aspects of that that um, i probably wasn't really thinking about going back to your point i mean well-being or being more thoughtful mindful i mean those were not words that really existed in those years that we were working together right Um, it was much more about productivity and outputs and winning and um, you know those kinds of words and uh, those things are still important. They they haven't really gone away. So what happened? Um, I would say I had a transformational experience. It was um, sort of one of these times in my life where I was about to take on uh, a significantly new responsibility. It was very different. I was taking on the human capital role for the uh, U.S. Assurance Practice as their chief HR officer or chief people officer, and uh, transitioning from the advisory business to take an internal role as well. And um, a friend of mine who I knew was doing coaching, um, she called me out of the blue and just kind of said something inspired me and told me to call you. And we started a conversation about kind of life coaching and um, I I engaged her and went through kind of a nine month process with spending time uh, understanding uh, a little bit more about myself and kind of going through perhaps more deeper reflection and also learning some tools and strategies for uh, maintaining and sustaining that. To some extent, I, you know, that that transformational experience, I think, gave me uh, a good pause. It wasn't the only thing in life that I think caused me to kind of reflect. Going back to some of, one of the attributes uh, that I, I talked about, I, I was influenced by uh, that Stephen Covey book very early in my career. So this idea of a compass and a clock were also present through that time. If you then start to add these things up, you know, one, having an opportunity to kind of really just focus on myself for nine months. Who does that? Um, have you heard of anybody else doing that? Just, you know, um, every month, uh, multiple times a month, thinking about just yourself and your being and what matters and how you feel and really acknowledging all those dimensions of who you are, thinking about your your um, the baggage, frankly, um, the long-held hurts or disappointments or frustrations. Uh, and acknowledging them and finding a way to work through them etc that was really what it what was was the work right mm. um, so coming out of that you um, become much more uh, aware of the things that give you energy and give you power and frankly greater clarity around um, what those things mean to you and, and tell you how to sustain them
0: all my guests this season about their thoughts around, follow your passion, do what you love, That you know, the thing that we hear so often these days. And in all cases, their responses called to mind some element of practicality and pragmatism. Dawn added another layer to the conversation, recognizing the perspective and the underlying impetus behind the advice. Basically, where does the person who is advocating or not advocating, where does that person come from? Where does his words come from? I thought that the way that he approached this question was particularly relevant to parents who may be having or need to be having these kinds of conversations with their kids, you know, high school kids thinking about college and such, as well as those who, through mentoring or coaching others, are able to talk more broadly about this very common advice, follow your passion, do what you love. Here's what he said.
1: Let's, let's explore a little bit more about why. Um, why they're even existing in the first place. Um, And it starts with a little bit about some of the economic shifts that we've seen and the level of disruption that's also occurred in people's lives as a result of some of those economic shifts, Uh, as well as crisis. Their lives were changed overnight. Um, You went from having assets to no assets, for example. You went from having a job to no job, for example. And you also then um, have a rapidly changing demographic and skill of the new workforce. I mean, so they're teaching also and exploring new ways um, that previously didn't even exist, creating whole new industries and whole new things. So when you kind of look at all of those shifts in terms of uh, opportunity, opportunity then starts to get reimagined and gets redefined. And so part of that statement is really an inspirational statement, to some extent, recognizing that, People have done amazing things with this new world. For example, could people actually get paid to watch videos and comment on them? I mean, that's a whole business, uh, for example, right? Um, six and eight-year-olds have designed products that have gone over a million dollar sales. So I think there's some of that, right? Uh, that the art of the possible and new ways of creating opportunities and business models uh, never existed before. And so part of that is searching and finding those things. I think the second thing is also that economic displacement, so a little bit more empowerment or control, uh, I think is also part of it. At, at the end of the day, you know, there's a role for for everybody to play here, right? So I think one of the questions I ask when this question is brought up is let's take that conversation down one other level, okay? Um, now, most people look at a conversation with a young adult and they might say things like, you should be careful about majoring in X, choosing a career and why because it's a low paying job or jobs are hard to find or whatever it might be. And usually some of these uh, things about follow your dreams are usually balanced against somebody worried about the pragmatism of life existence. So they have a fear or concern uh, for you. The question I would start with is going back to a uh, conversation I had a little bit earlier. What are their fears and concerns? So before you superimpose uh, yours on them, Let's explore what those are. And so what you might find is through that discovery, a couple things happen. One, perhaps that person is willing to trade off a lot of things because they define their success in life very differently than the person who is asking that question. So if you're asking questions that really demonstrate authentic interest in what makes that person's life click, what they think is success, and you're helping them go through a mature conversation about Everything from how you do that, and also pay rent, and also save money, and 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 you're going through that all perspective. But somebody's living their life in let's call it shorter sprints, where they're kind of going like, look, I can I can rebound from that. This is three years of my life, four years of my life. Uh, if I don't do this, my dreams. And what you're also doing is then them to talk more about their passion, and more about their uh, their level of excitement and real intrinsic drive uh, for that thing. And so. Just by having this conversation, it begins to sort out uh, and provide alternatives or paths so you can have it all as opposed to viewing them as can't have it all. But the question is, in what context and in what capacity and how much? So, for example, people used to ask me all the time, where do you find time to coach? How do you find time to create for the kids? Things like that. And I would say, well, it's important to me. Now, it wasn't important for me to, at the time, say that's a career I want to go into. But I'm able to participate and have fun doing that experience mm-hmm. on a volunteer basis. And it's not my job, right? Um, and perhaps maybe later on, I might be able to do that. Now, on the flip side, somebody may say, in fact, I talked to a young man um, and he had an offer from our firm to start. And um, he also wanted to explore being a professional soccer player. Now, at 24 years old, that's that's not typically when you start to think about being a professional soccer player or really try and uh, but he put himself out there for combine and and ultimately he was successful so he had a Job that I'm pretty sure is paying more than his professional soccer career to start. Um, Now it may not be that way forever, um, but that's a person following their dreams. Like there's no practical advice about where you want to worry about your pension and look at the benefits we provide and all this other stuff in comparison to having that conversation. So I think I think when you're exploring these things, you have to do it in a very authentic way. Try to do it without judgment, but also, of course, leverage your wisdom, leverage your perspective in having that conversation, so people don't view these things as quote-unquote, follow your dreams or have it all. Yes, you can have it all. Yes, you can do both. Let's just yes. talk about how you do it.
0: I wanted to switch our conversation a little bit to habits. Personally, there there are some habits that I do now with respect to how I approach my, my career that I could trace back to specific conversations that I've had uh, with you. And so I was wondering, what's one or two habits that you have that have contributed the most to your success or to your longevity in your career? Hmm.
1: I think the number one thing um, I would say for me starts with the sense of um, achievement or needing to achieve, that hmm. drive to accomplish something. And I think it's just rooted in the very you know kind of guidance, um, perhaps the summary of the guidance I got from my parents professionally, which was, it's less about what you are doing. It's more about being the best at what you are doing, right? So I think in, in that sense, there's this kind of constant inner drive to whatever you tackle or look at to really uh, think about how you really do it, you know, the very best. So, um, so I'm fortunate to, to kind of start with that kind of momentum and foundation and, and also the benefit of 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 two parents who told me that, you know, anything is possible and Mm -hmm. they could be and do anything. So you start with that proper foundation because, or that was my proper foundation, I should say, uh, recognizing that not everybody has that same foundation, right? So yes, that's been a very, very important part of my success. Um, So that really translated into drive, right? Um, I think the other thing is, ironically, as I've thought about this topic, is a sense of uh, belonging. So we often hear when you are the first of anything, uh, minority woman, you know, when you think about entering a boardroom or any executive suite, typically it's white male dominated, right? Mm -hmm. Um, For whatever reason, um, I never had this imposter syndrome. This imposter syndrome meaning I'm not sure if I belong in the room. I, I notice the differences of the people in the room. And sometimes, depending upon the complement of people in that room, I can feel isolated. Now, all of us have this risk.
0: Okay. So wait a um, second. Let me just stop you yeah. there. So sure. you you do not feel that you don't belong. You may feel isolated, which is different from not feeling I belong. Did I Correct. understand that correctly?
1: So, In other words, um, yes. So just to get more specific. So just to say, yes, I may not be naturally welcomed in the room perhaps because I'm different, Mm -hmm. um, but that doesn't shake my inner sense of belonging or confidence to be in the room, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? I think what that just shares to me is there's an opportunity to build relationships or, and a need to build relationships. That's all it signals to me. And then I have to be thoughtful about what I do. And I also recognize that when you're in the room that uh, relationships don't happen overnight. They have to see that you can do the work. They have to see that you're worthy of their time, uh, in some cases, for people to give you more of their time. So I'm also confident enough not being, for for lack of better words, gratuitous to be in the room, (laughs) you know, um, glad handling and trying to make myself to be something that I'm not. I'm comfortable just being in myself, authentically present in that room. And just like everybody else, going through the natural process of Storming, forming, developing relationships, building credibility and relevance through the work that you do, and recognizing that it just takes some time. I just realize I'm this is a podcast that so people can't see me, so I should best mention that I am black. <laughs> so so I think in that context uh, that was some of that conversation. Uh, and um and then this concept of um, compass clock, which for me, my metaphor is two spinning plates. So think of uh, a plate being spun on a stick one at a faster rate and one at a slower rate. The the one at the slower rate representing kind of the direction that you're going and the one at the faster rate representing kind of that more day-to-day clock time. My my view is, is how do you make sure that there is synchronicity and harmony between those two activities constantly? So my, going back to my tools or strategies, uh, I think about it a lot, yeah. Do you journal or do you just You know, ta- It was sort of funny. So the first thing that happened with my coach, um, when I met her, I said, um, "We're gonna just start off with a, because this, I think, it was my second attempt with coaching." I said, "I'm just gonna let you know something about me. I don't write down stuff a lot." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I said, uh, I, "I internalize things a lot, and what I do write down, it's usually gonna be brief. It's gonna be just a note here or there, etc." So she encouraged me to journal. I have this book um, to journal, and I walk <laughs> around with it. And I know I don't journal a lot. Um, said differently, I might journal like three, four times a year, maybe. I'm not even sure.
0: But you, um, uh, you think about you your introspection, like you.
1: That's correct. That's what I'm saying. It. So rather than spend, you know, so I know there's an art and a stickiness to writing things down. Don't get me wrong. I'm not yeah. diminishing the value of a journal. I'm just journaling in my head constantly. I'm yes. a, a bit of a propeller head in that sense, right? So I'm I'm journaling and reflecting on that synchronicity that. That, that basic um, link between being present in the moment and trying to live my best life and uh, I'm making sure I even thought about what my best life is. <laughs> and at the same time, like I said, really working through things that fall into the category of disappointment or regret or mm. you know those kinds of things. So making sure that you're not burdened um, by those those things as well, or shifting your mindset. So for example, um, this might touch you a little bit. Um, we're at a point now where we're starting to take care of other people. And it's very easy to describe words like burden, mm-hmm. obligation, responsibility. And it comes with effort, tiredness, wear and tear, yes. right? Yeah. And um, so when you're kind of faced with uh, a challenge like that, you know, what are some words and ways that you can start to think about that opportunity? differently. Words like, wow, um, I get to really spend some of the last times. I get to revisit history. I get to, so how do I change my view towards what I'm about to go through from seeing as something that um, is just all negative to something that can be positive? How do I reconcile the fact that I'm going to have to take time from work to be there? Do I talk to people at work about the vulnerability and the thing that I'm going through and what I need and the accommodations I might need to do that? Or do I internalize all this and get miserable at work and my performance degrades and I'm mad at my parent? and you understand what I'm getting at? Okay. So this shift is not something that's artificial. It actually then triggers emotions and adrenaline and energy in a way that, that feeds differently in life. And I think that's, that's the acknowledgement and recognition and growth for me and to maintain that synchronicity is is really what I'm after. Okay. So
0: I just wanted to to put a pin on what you said about using or being uh cognizant of the words that we're using. This is something that I personally understood only recently that just a shift in the word that I use changes the way that I approach an experience or, or you know an, an event. So just as an example, I used to always say, um, so the body does the same thing, like whether you're excited or afraid or nervous, it's the same thing. Your heart flutters. You have the, you have the same sort of physical manifestation. But saying I'm scared is very different from saying I'm excited about this thing, right? Or right. And, and just the use of a different word changes the way that I approach the experience. And so I, I wholeheartedly agree, whereas 10 years, 15 years ago, I might just say that's semantics, it's just words, but actually now I understand it, its its impact on my behavior. Yeah. I was wondering if if there was ever a time, if you wouldn't mind sharing, yeah. if there was ever a time when despite your efforts or your habits, this good habits that you talked about, that things didn't go quite how you wanted to go yes absolutely or you weren't achieving it as fast as you wanted it to achieve sure so like how did you get past it and what sort of what tools did you use or what help did you get to get past it
1: yes i can certainly point out to all different points in time throughout my entire career where i've had these challenges but but i'll come think of one uh, that's uh, very contemporary meaning this happened in the last couple of years hmm Okay, now uh, I'll try to do it in a more general way for obvious reasons. Um, Suffice to say, I got a great opportunity. And uh, this great opportunity, you know, for us is a large client. It's something that with a lot of activity and, you know, I was transitioning with an existing team. I saw opportunities to improve um, what what we were doing. And so I was, you know, very enthusiastic but you know it takes two parties to really uh, make a successful relationship so part of this was also really getting to know the the other people on the other side the people I'd be working with right and let's just say it didn't start off well not for any particular reason couldn't really put a finger on it um, but it didn't start off well didn't start off badly just didn't start off well but despite this, you know, effort over time and, you know, all the good things that you might do from uh, working. So the results look good, the the interactions, everything was looking good. All the measures were looking good. There was this one niggling thing, you know, just couldn't seem to make more progress in this one area, Um, you know, particularly with just one relationship. Or that was the thought. This really ended up with us parting our ways, me going to one direction and, Mm and the other party staying in, in their direction. And there was a lot of um, sense of disappointment. There was real stress. There was consequence uh, or potential consequence. There was, what are you going to do now? Uh, all those types of questions. And But going back to sort of paying attention, something else happened, which was really extraordinary. Um, so two things. One... I didn't feel like I was at a cliff and I was going to fall off. So I don't want to make it sound overly Mm -hmm. dramatic. I just knew I was in a rut. I also knew I had support, not just inside the farm, but actually, ironically, also had support from this other relationship. So it wasn't all negative. In fact, there are some very positive aspects to that as well. Right. But nonetheless, the business or economic reality was real. Mm. Okay. And guess what happened? My stress level went down. My fun factor went up. I was happy. I had more time to think. Uh, I started to realize I needed to develop new skills in some new areas. I had time to reinvest for the future. I took some of those lessons learned to heart in terms of just, you know, how do you navigate uncertainty and, and what principles do you stick to? Um, what, what Which of those were reinforced? And And wow, all of a sudden I felt, renewed and yes Mm -hmm. there was uncertainty in front of me but then i had a plan and i knew what i was going to do and i could communicate it and i knew what risks i was going to take and i started to forge new ground and new opportunity and i'm continuing to be in that journey you know the the expression in hockey is you skate to where the puck's going not where the puck is so i'm doing it with a sense of where the future is Uh, not just the future for now but the future for later and at the same time other fantastic things happened in my life all around, that's, shortly after this big disappointment, boom, other things happened. Uh, all of a sudden, I was elect, appointed to the Board of Trustees of Howard, and I got elected to the Board of Trustees of the firm. And so, so yeah, I feel like, you know, uh, all of these um, powerful sources and energy and the universe just kind of conspired to give me a pillow soft landing and to take those hard lessons and again turn them into opportunities.
0: So was it... From from the point of the, the most frustrating thing happening mm-hmm. to that point, was it just elapsed time that helped you out? Or was it you actively working to get you out of that frustrating?
1: Yeah. Thing? So I think, you know, like at some point in time, it was probably a time of deep, just a, a time of pause and reflection. So mm. just to give you a sense, so let's call this a nine-month period, right? Mm-hmm. Um you knew from the beginning, kind of, my four or five months. You knew it was going to end, so you endured another three, four months of figuring out when it's going to end, with some uncertainty, but knowing it was going to end. At the end, though, it becomes rock bottom, right? Okay, um, that's when you really everything else, because you're still paddling, yeah. you know. <laughs> and by the way, you're still doing well. Uh, it's not. It's not like things. I mean, numbers were good, margin. I mean, you know, things were were happening. That's not the problem. At the end of the day, right? So but at the end, I sat down and it's at that moment when I was thinking through all of this thing. And so the first thing I would say, the first signal to me that things were going to be okay was how much physically I felt better. <laughs> and mentally I felt better. So that was the first signal. Then that gave me the capacity and the renewal energy to think about what I needed to do next. And yeah, it wasn't perfect. I bounced around a little bit, but now I was walking upright and I was walking in a direction. So I didn't know exactly where I was going, but I was, you know, kind of checking out different avenues and doors, thinking about it. And, you know, you go back to the knitting, you know, we've always talked about this. What's the one thing you got to do in our business? You got to be relevant to the clients, right? So you got to be relevant to the market. And so you go back to that knitting and, um, and you reinvent yourself as you are required to do.
0: Now, if I could only pick two things from the many, many things that I've learned from Don through the years, two things that I still carry with me to this day, they are number one, listen to the changing drum beat, and number two, be relevant. I still remember the context of our conversation when I first heard these words from him. PwC was going through one of its many growing pains. And uh, some of us, I mean, some of the staff, some of us were beginning to sense that there is some kind of a massive organizational change underway. With this sort of cloud of impending change (laughs) over my head, I sat down with Don about how do I best weather the change. And he told me first, That it's great that I could hear the change in the drum beat. He said so many people don't even realize the changing beats. And second, no matter what happened, no matter what changes, focus on being relevant, he said. Being relevant to our clients, to the new company leadership, to the market. That if I focused on being relevant, I will sail through whatever's happening that's anyway beyond my control. Those words to this day have uh, been sort of my compass, my guiding principle throughout whatever it is that I am doing or looking to pursue or new projects that I am endeavoring. We live in a world that is changing faster than we can imagine. I asked Don how he stays relevant in the marketplace, in the industry, in a world that is changing so fast.
1: You, you, you kind of have to recognize um, a couple of things. One, uh, you do have to change. I think for a lot of people, you know, there is uh, just a lack of acknowledgement and recognition that there is a need to change because sometimes people use the expression, change is hard. I'm not just sure if change is hard, um, but change is by definition somewhat uncomfortable, um, because it's going to take you out of something that you're familiar with or pattern and have to cause a shift in routine. And it can come under pressure from lots of other things in life, right? So I think that's just the first acknowledgement. Fortunately, in that sense, we're in a business that, you know, that's kind of our DNA, right? Because we, we are only as relevant as our last best idea or contribution to our clients. And that's true in a lot of other fields as well, right? Um, research and medicine and so forth. So, So I think, For me, then the second thing is, you know, what do you pay attention to in terms of topics? And sometimes it may take repetition, right? So there's a lot of words that are used to describe where disruption is coming from, whether it's machine learning and artificial intelligence, the impact on consumption of things like drone and video technology and its use of applications. And I mean, we can go on and on with some of the typical technology uh, shifts that are occurring. So But they're widespread and and somewhat almost ubiquitous because they're so transformative across so many different dimensions of consumer and business. You know, these are topics that are now contemporary topics uh, in many sense, just recognition of that. So for me, first time you hear these things, you kind of go like, oh, that sounds like some techno geek stuff that somebody else needs to read. And then as you start to become more familiar with it, then you start to really think through its use and application then you start to see more of its relevance and then you see contextually why it's important for you to learn. I'm fortunate to be in a place where we have tremendous learning assets and resources. Um, So required to learn from a professional certification, encouraged to learn, given time to learn, resources to learn, interesting learning, um, which is also fantastic. And uh, that's also important. So one of the things that I always observe is sometimes, depending on who you're talking to, how much of a privilege it actually is to have that type of resource and encouragement behind everything so there's no conflict between my ideas that i'm expressing frankly and the values the resources the capabilities and the strategies of my firm and that is a uh, a very powerful thing to be able to say you know so when i talk about mindfulness i'm not just talking about it for example with you or with my buddies i'm talking about it at work um, in the same authentic way so
0: given that what you just said just now um Thinking about the person who's listening to this podcast who may not be fortunate enough to work in a company or in an industry that is so welcoming of, the, you know, of helping them retrain themselves, upskill themselves and, and, and uh, transform themselves as the time goes on. What, what, what might you recommend or suggest that they do?
1: Yeah, so actually, thank you for asking that because um, that comes from a real place of empathy and understanding, right, that uh, that access is not equal. First, I would say there's more and more organizations and support. Um, there are free resources available to folks. So the question now becomes, how do you know what you want to do? What do you do with all this information? There's so much information out there, it's easy to get confused or lost. So it kind of goes back to something you talked a bit earlier, like where are your nudges, where are your passions, where are your interests? So the first thing is to start to pause and acknowledge that, hey, things are changing. So if things are changing, why not look at it as an opportunity to go do something or be something or explore something that might be fun to me? And and how do I maybe, whether that's a hobby as it starts and that may convert to a profession, um, but those kinds of things are are where that, you know, impetus starts. And then when you apply your thinking of that interest to a modern day application of that, you know, all of a sudden, a lot of things are possible. So, uh, and you know this, because this is something that I I look to talk to you about one day, which is, how did you start your business? How did you grow through your business? All of a sudden, you did it, right? You're a great example of what we're even talking about here yourself, so, but you you have to to pay attention. And of course, I think everybody in life um, needs to kind of take their, take a look around of uh, the people around them in life and make sure there's a good diversity of people that can provide perspective and support in a variety of different ways. Um, One of the big things that we're talking about now, Lou, is having conversations with people not because you're forced to, but because you choose to. And really exploring in that context, if I'm interested in X or Y, who are the people that have perspective and knowledge and can start to help me become smarter about it. Uh, whether you whether you have access to them personally or whether you have access to them through a book or whatever, you start to, again, just pay more attention to the areas that are out there. So again, nothing like this happens overnight. Um, I don't want everybody to panic and think the world's changing tomorrow, um, but it is. And so the ability to get on that bicycle and start to get your legs pumping and starting to feel the muscles, the muscles will build, your aptitude will build, your ability to consume knowledge faster uh, also goes along with this. Um, and there's a, a real sense of opportunity and discovery. So
0: there was something there that you said that I wanted to pin on because it's very inexpensive and it's available to all of us when you said, who can I talk to? I, actually, I um, I can't remember if I read this in his book or if it was on a blog post or if it was on his podcast, but Reid Hoffman, who's one of the co-founders of LinkedIn, he said that One of the first things he does when he has an idea, one of the first questions he asks himself is, who can I talk to about this? Not necessarily who can I partner with, but like, who can I explore this idea with? Or who can I, who can I just talk to about this? And I love that you mentioned that because that is available to all of us, right? You could, you could always just find one person at least that you could either just explore the idea with and then it just goes from there. And it resonates with me because this is something that I, have a hard time with because i it's not my initial it's not uh, second nature to me to 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 pick up the phone and talk to someone about an idea or, or or however however much I've thought about it, it's just not second nature so I really appreciate that you said that
1: <laughs> yeah, you know what's kind of funny is um you know it's kind of like um we have so many resources and opportunities to do that so one one context of that is the familiar right people that you may actually know. There's another context to that, which is the unfamiliar. and uh, You never know. Um, so, for example, right? So you have all these LinkedIn contacts. You ever reach out to somebody and go, is it possible to talk to you about something? You know, and whether they respond or not, uh, for example, um, you never know, right? So, yeah.
0: I asked all my guests this season, what trail do they want to leave? I think,
1: you know, going back to... Um, You know, something I said at the very beginning, you asked me a little bit about that drive and success. I have this um, kind of relentless feeling and every time I start talking about it, I actually get a little bit more emotional and a little intense about it, right? Um, Which is, I want to leave things that are sustainable in this world and with people Um, and continue to think about what that really means. But let's call it everything from ideas to behaviors to businesses. But I want to really try to help create sustainable economic opportunity and to help generate leaders. Um, those two things I think are are really important to me. And there are topics I have of interest, topics I'll explore, but I think it's important for everybody to feel and understand health and nutrition. I think it's important for everybody to feel and understand have access to education. Somehow all of these things will conspire and as I talk about them and talk about them to the universe is what I describe it. So to myself, to people you know, I'm, I'm hoping that they all conspire and help me bring that manifestation to life. Something that uh, is bountiful, provides different opportunities, and at the same time is about changing lives.
0: You also um, touch on something that is true, which is sometimes what we want is bigger than ourselves. And the only way that we can um, make it happen is by engaging others or allowing others to participate in our ideas or our, you know, our aspirations So by you talking about it and just sharing your perspective or just having conversations around it, uh, it's, it spreads or it probably gives you a little bit more, maybe it gives you input or ideas for how even to make it, you know, to make it happen or to make it bigger or to make it stronger.
1: Um, so I'll pick a couple other words. Um, first, it makes you accountable
0: because
1: mm-hmm. um, you're accountable for your words and what you say, right? Words matter and words have meaning. Um the second is conviction. so my my saying it over and over again is is conv- conviction and uh and add accountability. So somebody'll ask me, Well what, what did you ever do with that idea? Yeah. Uh, right. Um and um but but you also said something which is uh really important, which is it's a network effect. Um you know, you never know where that idea may come from, or mm-hmm. somebody might say, hey, I was in, intrigued by your thought. Have you thought of
0: Yeah, exactly?
1: Or, you know? Um so yes all of those are possible. It goes back to being a little bit more vulnerable too, right? Which is being able to share a little bit more of yourself, not because it's a perfectly baked idea, but because it's something you're just thinking about, right? So, yeah, yeah.
0: Lots of things have happened since I sat down with Don. I caught up with him recently about what he is looking forward to the most in 2021.
1: When I think about what I'm looking forward most to in 2021, I think the first thing that strikes me is just to see and feel the joy and energy of everyone as they get past the immediacy of this crisis and begin to see what life can be like, um, the best of what we had in the past, as well as the best of what we've learned, a fruitful and productive way for it forward. So I think that's a broader kind of societal impact because I think that you know the world at large needs a good change, a positive change, and to restore some sense of humanity and unity amongst all of us. So, and for myself and for my family, uh, I think it's the same. Um, We're looking forward to getting back to spending in-person, fun, quality time with the vast variety of friends that we have and the family members that we so dearly miss. And I think it's just really digging in and feeling that human connection.
0: You can find Dawn on LinkedIn at Donald B. Christian. I'm going to put a link to that as well as the highlights of this episode at secondbreaks.com forward slash podcast. Second Breaks is brought to you by Briefing Notes, a weekly digital newsletter for Gen Xers, Generation Jones, late boomers, midlifers who are interested in thriving at work and in life. Visit TheBriefingNotes.com to subscribe for free and get the next edition in your inbox. If you enjoyed this episode or this podcast in general, please share it with your friends. You will do me a huge, huge favor as it helps tremendously when you spread the word about the show. Okie dokie, this is the end of Season 5. But I hope you'll come back and join me in a couple weeks for some year-in-review thoughts. Until then, stay safe, stay sane. And keep on making your debt, my friend. Cool beans. Well, Don, this has been a gift. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today, for sharing your experiences, your thoughts, not just with me, but with my audience. Thank you so much. I so appreciate this.
1: Well, thank you for a wonderful podcast. You've been a great host. Um, thanks for making it easy. And um, I hope there's some nuggets for, for you and others.